Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, and today I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ariel Pacheco to tell you some of the more interesting lineups the Knicks could put on the floor, their best rebounding unit, their best zone defense unit, their best overall defensive unit before getting into the players that have most haunted the Knicks past, present, and future. All that and more right now on Locked On Knicks. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Stop. Yes. Up, left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's fouled. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and today's episode is brought to you by none other than Prize Picks. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code Locked On. That's PrizePicks.com promo code Locked On. We wanted to thank you for making Locked On Knicks your first listen today and every day. We're now available on all platforms, including on YouTube. So go check us out there. Throw us a subscription, throw us a like, throw us a comment, see our smiling faces day in and day out. But who's talking to you? I'm Gavin Shaw, a play-by-play broadcaster, your favorite play-by-play broadcaster's favorite play-by-play broadcaster. And I'm lucky enough to be joined by Ariel Pacheco. Uh, You might have listened last week when we put out part one of this mailbag, but uh, he is elite. Uh, No other way to phrase it, uh, just flat out one of the best observers of this team out there. Um, small caveat on this one. We recorded it, I think it was last Monday. Um, so that was before the OB Toppin injury, before Cam Reddish got banned from the rotation, uh, before the latest uh, Julius Randle uh, explosion. So with all those notes, uh, I, I still think this episode is highly, highly relevant and, and really interesting because we, we get into the nitty gritty talking about why certain units uh, make up the Knicks' best lineups, including a pretty cool conversation about what makes Quentin Grimes and Mitchell Robinson such a special defensive duo. So I won't delay it any longer. Here we go with Ariel Pacheco. All right, guys, as promised, we are joined once again by Ariel Pacheco. Check him out on Twitter at APachecoMBA if you're if you're watching on YouTube, you already see his graphic. You already see a smiling face, Ariel. Thanks for joining me again, man. Let, let, let's keep it rolling, swinging right into part two of this mailbag. And man, do I have a name for you? This question comes from uh, comes from Carlos Spicy Wiener. Um, I don't I don't know if there's an apostrophe on that first S, but I don't want to. I'm gonna I'm gonna assume no. Hopefully he's just he's just he's just a fan of the of the food. I don't know. Let's not explore that too much. This is, this is a PG show. Um, he's at oh boy, his handle's at Nick's Papa. I can't can't win with this guy. Um, he wants to know. Um, let's forget trade talks. Assuming the current roster. All right, so he he has four different questions. So um, okay. I'll, I'll I'll throw them at you one at a time. Uh, okay. which players would create the best rebounding and perimeter defense lineup? Uh, yeah, this one was tough. That? This yeah. one was tough just because, like you mentioned, you mentioned you touched on it in the first part where there's no like perfect solution. Like the, anybody you, you kind of put in the game is like a little bit of a drawback. So the answer I went with is mostly similar to my answer to the question in part one of the best defensive lineup. It's Grimes, it's Quickly, it's Mitchell Robinson, it's McBride as well, and it's Julius Randle. So the reason why I went with this unit is because I think you get the, the perimeter defense from McBride, Grimes, and Quickly. And if you do get the engaged Julius, 
that's a, obviously a plus. But even if you don't, I think those four guys can cover for Julius. And then in terms of rebounding, I think those three, the three guards, um, they're very good at rebounding. They're probably in like the top five, top five best rebounders on the team, even though they're all guards. Um, I just think that Robinson is also an elite box out guy. So I think he, he's like an automatic um, insertion. And I think Julius is, is pretty good at grabbing uncontested rebounds when Mitchell Robinson is, is boxing out. So I think those five guys can kind of cover for each other and, and, yeah. their, and their weaknesses and aspects. And then I, I, I think that's the best, for me, that was the best lineup I could come up with. Yeah, I had the exact same one. Um, yeah, and I think it's I, – I, I agree with everything you said. I think even – I mean, this isn't part of the question, but I was kind of keeping the back of my mind like, all right, would, but would, would this be the worst offense in the NBA? And the answer is maybe. But uh, if, if Deuce could start making threes, and I, I like – I think he's, he's one for 15 from three this year while yeah. a, a season ago in the G League shot like 40% from three on, on eight attempts per game. So – I think that will come around eventually. And in a world where he was playing 20 minutes a night, like he would be a pretty good shooter. I, I don't know about you. I'm, I'm dying for a lineup where IQ can get more on ball reps as, as the lead ball handler. And I think that's where he really succeeded last year. And even these last two games in particular last game with Rose out, like I think yeah. he looked a lot more confident attacking the rim, just almost knowing like if I screw this up, there isn't going to be that internal pressure to be like, all right, let me, let me, throw it to the MVP next to me to take a shot at it. Um, I, I guess this is, this is kind of like a pivot within the question, but like, is, is that something you would, you would try to get to a little bit more if you were the Knicks? Like IQ is, I mean, obviously Deuce can handle a little bit. Randall would handle a little bit in that lineup, but like IQ is as nominally like, like the guy handling the basketball mm-hmm. in a lineup. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty high on IQ. I'm pretty high on, on how fast he's kind of improved in all his areas that when he came into the NBA, he was pretty like weak at um just getting to the rim you saw it last night against the Cavs um and then overall I I just think that um if you give him more reps he's shown that he'll figure it out even if there is a little bit of a bump um and if the shooting does come back to like where I think most of us expect where it can get to um I I think he's a real legitimate guard that that you can run offense through and and I think an underrated aspect of this too is that I think it'll give Grimes a little bit more on-ball reps which I'm very curious to see more of um, we, we see how good he is at attacking closeouts and like second side actions and, and getting to the rim and finding bigs for dump off. So I'd love to see him with a little more added responsibility and, and rather see if he sinks or swims with it. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on, on both of them. I, I think a key quickly stat that I, I saw floating around today, I mean, up to 50% from two point range after shooting 40% as a rookie, 45% his second year to me, that is kind of the ultimate indicator that he's, he's ready for more responsibility offensively, even as his three point shot, like he kind of struggles to recapture the heights of his rookie year there. Um, I think more of an opportunity to just have the ball in his hands and get into a rhythm would be good. And then Grimes, man, I'm, I'm so fascinated with him because I, I just think there's, there's still so many directions his career could go where like the baseline with him. And I know, I mean, just, just reading pretty much everything you tweet, like you're, you're kind of on the same page here, but the baseline is like super elite role player. Like, I like possibly like a, like a starter on like a championship type of team, like with, with the right kind of stars around him. Um, and, and the question is like, which I, the Knicks should be exploring in earnest and, and aren't really because of the construction of their team is like, is like, is there a higher ceiling? And I, where, where those reps would really come in handy is I think right now on, on closeouts and, um, and just in scramble situations, you see him predetermining his reads a lot. And I think that's messed him up on drives where he he's not super confident in his shot right now. And he's, he's just saying, go to the rim every time. And I'm wondering if he got more reps 
kind of as he got in, in, in summer league where he was the number one guy where he could just make those decisions over and over again. And like, even if he struggled for 20 games, like would, would he come out of that as someone who you could say right down the road, he could be like, I don't know, something a little closer to Desmond Bain than Danny Green offensively. Yeah, yeah, that, that would be huge. The, the gap between the, those kinds of role players is massive. Um, that's the difference between a guy who who's going to make $20, 25000000 million a year versus yeah, like least, yeah. 12 14-ish. So, yeah, I just think Grimes has a really good burst. I don't think we talk about his burst enough when he is attacking closeouts. I'd love to see it. I think his handle is, is – it, it looked better in summer league, but I'd, I'd love to see it like expand a little bit more. I think that's the one thing holding back from more on-ball stuff, but I, I, I'm – usually very happy with his decision making yeah I'm, I'm i'm with you and i just i i it's painful but i'd love to see it all right uh second question from uh at nick's papa somehow the least the least offensive of the two names there uh would a big lineup that implements some d be better suited for the knicks personnel so this is something i was arguing um preseason that i would like to see a lineup that featured grimes rj and cam quite a bit that that is not a lineup that that that's a lineup that has hardly played at all this season because it, for for whatever reason Tibbs has has largely treated Grimes and Cam as as either or and now he's made that seemingly more permanent and at least for the time being again apparently who knows it could change in a game it could change in in ten minutes from now um removing Cam from the rotation but I I want to see like that kind of switchability and to me especially around Jalen Brunson that's how I would plan the future of the team barring a world where, where OB is, is a superstar, which, which has looked less than less likely recently. Um, so, so the version of that lineup I came up with, that would be interesting. Like didn't really have a true point guard in it where you had Grimes as, as the nominal point guard, um, RJ, Cam, Julius, and Jericho. And I don't really think Grimes is, is ready for that yet, but, and, and offensively you would, you'd have some real issues in terms of initiation and stuff. Um, but I figured the Knicks survive with Alfred Payton as a point guard for a year. So how how bad could Quentin Grimes be? And that would kind of get to, I, I think, what this what uh, Knicks Papa is getting at in, in terms of a, well, he's he's saying a zone D. I guess I was thinking more of a switch D, but I don't know. What, what, what would you think about like putting that much size on the floor at the same time for the Knicks? All right, guys, when we come back with Ariel, we will get into the Knicks' best overall lineups on both offense and defense. But first, I got to tell you about prize picks tonight. I am taking R.J. Barrett. Well, tomorrow night is when they play. So tomorrow night, I'm taking R.J. Barrett to score over 23 and a half points. I, I, I think he's going to continue his hot streak. I'm taking Julius Randle over seven rebounds. I'm taking Emmanuel quickly over five and a half assists. So how does it work? All you have to do is pick two to six players. And if they go score more or less than their prize picks projection, you can win up to 25 times in any entry. That's a crazy number. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections available. PrizePix offers projections on any sport that you watch. That includes the NBA, NFL, MLB, NHL, PGA, college football, men's college basketball, women's college basketball, soccer, WNBA, esports, NASCAR, tennis, MMA, boxing, disc golf, Euro basketball, cricket, and more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Safe and fast withdrawals currently operational in over 30 states and Canada. So download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code lockdown. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. So don't forget to enter promo code lockdown at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100. I think I think I'm I'm always for like just trying crazy stuff, uh, just yeah. throwing things at a wall. Sometimes things stick, and and you end up like figuring out something that you would have never found if you didn't just try something. 
Um, I, I definitely think zone, just to touch on that, I think zone defense work can work in small spurts, um, like to throw teams off. But I definitely don't think it's like something you make your base defense off of. You don't, that's why most teams don't do it, because after a few possessions, it gets um, solved. Um, but I, I agree 100% on the switching. They, they have a lot of switchable personnel on the team, and it's kind of shocking to me that they don't do it a lot more. Um, like just Jericho Sims at center is, is freakishly can legitimately switch one through five. And I know we say that a lot of people, but it's real with him. And then quickly Grimes, McBride, Cam, all those guys very switchable as well. Um, and if you get the engaged Julius, he's very capable as well. And then RJ, if RJ was ever to kind of find his defensive acumen that he had earlier in his career, when, when um, I was pretty high on his defense, um, yeah. but I have been disappointed with like the past season or two. Um, that he's he'd be perfect as well so i definitely think there's a lot of personnel and and mitchell robinson he's, he's done a couple of late switches of late that have kind of like piqued my interest because he was very good at switching earlier in his career but then the foot injury kind of held him back but i, I think like on late switches he could be effective too so i'm all for the switching i think they should be doing a lot more of it actually yeah i i think it would be helpful with with julius in particular not only because he's i mean just just skill set wise better suited for that type of defense but a lot of i mean this everyone knows that that clip uh circulating around next twitter of him uh getting switched on to mitchell and then forgetting about it and mitchell uh, popping out for the uh, left side wide open quarter quarter three for maybe like the i don't know like the third best three-point shooter on planet earth right now but we we don't have to belabor the point um but anyway but but the the argument would be i almost think it would be like obviously you have stuff where off ball it could get tricky as it did in that situation but i think it would be really good for randall to be put into the spotlight defensively because weirdly enough i do think there's some pride there and that's why he gets so defensive when he completely loses his guy and you see him like pointing at emmanuel quickly even even if emmanuel quickly was in the crowd he would be like what are you what are you doing why weren't you on the court we needed a six man um and i almost think like his his kind of manhood would be on the line more if you if you lined him up with guards more and, and and to your point earlier He's very good at it uh, when when he when he cares and when when he's engaged. Yeah, when he when he takes it, you can tell when he takes it, when he's taking a matchup personally, like against KD, for example, like he's trying his, his hardest. Um, but yeah, again, if you get if you get engaged, Julius defensively, it's legitimately like a difference maker, especially like not even going off hypotheticals, but the actual like starting lineup. If Julius just becomes like a neutral defensively and he's not actively tanking your defense. It helps so much because they already have negatives and Brunson, who's limited by size, and then RJ, who's been struggling on that. And so if either RJ or Julius can figure just to get to neutral, if both of them did, it'd be massive for what they could do defensively. Because I really like what Grimes and uh, Mitchell Robinson have been doing together defending the pick and roll. Yeah, I... I actually I want to I want to ask you about that because that's it's something that hasn't come up on the pod, but it's something I've noticed where I mean just the, the chemistry those two have is is pretty incredible given that they haven't played a lot together and and like I mean as as you know there there's a real dance to that in the NBA and usually the teams that are best at it are teams that have played together a long time and when you have like a Clay Thompson and, and a Draymond Green who who know exactly like how much one guy is going to shade over and, and when the guard's going to bail and when the big needs to step up and how much the big needs to step up and like and like how far the guard can come back over on on a backside contest and it feels like Grimes and Mitch despite I don't know like I mean this season maybe playing 100 minutes I probably not even that probably like 40 minutes together oh, all year long they seem like really like I was like in that first half against Luca in particular it felt like Grimes did such a good job just shading him to the exact right amount of space where Mitch could cover but still recover before Luca could throw a lob and, and, and Luca's a genius so sometimes he got them but I don't know they, they seem 
that that's really impressed me so far. Yeah, they're legitimately like a, a good defensive duel. Like the way they they're able, like Mitchell Robinson always buys time for for Grimes to recover if he needs it, and then Grimes is always fighting back to recover so that Mitchell Robinson isn't on an island for too long. It's like a perfect, like the way you you described it as a dance. I think it's perfect. They're they're, they're kind of in stride together, always in step. And I think other than the Luca game, the one that really stood out with those two was against John Moran and the Grizzlies. They really made his life tough and. Uh, it was just a lot of fun to watch. I, I really, I think their chemistry defensively is like one of the most under talked about things so far this season because I think it's legitimately good. Yeah, I'm. I and I and it's just it's it's a rare positive in a season where we haven't had a lot. And and for Mitch, I mean, I, I hate to make this analogy, but sometimes I almost feel like he's like an animal who's like gotten abused, like where he's never gotten the ball offensively his whole career. Like defensively, he's been left out to dry over and over and over again. And it, and it's just like, it's like this great boon for him. He's kind of like, he's like perking up. He's like, he's like, Oh, I'm being treated well. Like, like I actually, I'm getting help. Like you care. Like, this is amazing. Like I'm, I'm going to go all out. This is fantastic. Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like Brunson does that for him offensively where he actually throws him lobs when he, when he's wide open. I think Mm -hmm. Grimes does that for him defensively where he's like, Hey, I got your back. You're not, you're not alone in this two on one. Like I'm going to come back in and help you out. And like, and it, it honestly, like, it's a credit to Mitch that he almost hasn't developed more bad habits playing like in that context his whole life. But like, I'm, I'm kind of just excited for him that I almost feel like he's a new, like lease on life uh, playing, playing with Grimes. It's got to feel like a breath of fresh air for him to have like a guard who's actually like actively trying to fight over screens. Um, I think he gets a little bit with quickly, but I don't think he really plays that much with quickly as well. So I I think, you know, Grimes, that duo, like I I think Thibodeau has something in those two where he can legitimately like, he knows that that whoever he puts Grimes on, it's gonna be it's gonna be difficult on that guy, and I don't think he's had that at least the past like season, especially last season. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I guess I guess this uh, this leads into the final part of the question, um, and it it was uh, what would the Knicks' best overall defensive lineup be? So for me, I kind of made a conglomeration of of the first two. Um, though you could certainly just go with the defensive rebounding one. I had um. IQ, Deuce, Grimes, Reddish, and Mitch. And and my only concern there is just like it, it, you're you're undersized at almost every spot. But I, I just think the collective IQ there, like you, I mean, Reddish maybe occasionally would have a brain fart, but no one's really out of out of place. And and with Mitch, you have someone who can cover up for a lot of stuff. Like like there are teams like the Bucks where that it just doesn't work because Gian- Giannis would just mow through them. But all in all, I think I think against most teams that essentially play a wing at power forward, like that that could be pretty interesting. But what was what was your version of that? It was actually the same, but just to switch oh, it wow. up for the, for the question, I'll yeah. go with Sims <laughs> over Robinson, and I think okay. you can just go massive switching, just whatever action, just switch. Um, I, I think it would be fun to just watch those five guys fly around the perimeter, and I think they force a bunch of turnovers, which I think the Nick defense hasn't been good at either. Um, and they'd benefit from having just guys who are, who are athletes and, and engaged and locked in defensively all the time. So, yeah, I'll switch it up and I'll go with Sims at the five. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good that we're locked in on this. All right. Um, and then what was uh, the, the final question, uh, which I'll, I'll throw your way, is uh, what do you think the, the Knicks' uh, best offensive uh, lineup would be? This one was tough. I was fighting a lot with myself to, to come up with a good answer mm-hmm. for this. But the one I settled on is Brunson, quickly, Grimes, Obi, and Julius, and I—I'm pretty sure ours are going to be different. Dude, no, we got the same one. Is it really? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, wrote, I, I wrote it down. I can, I can, I can send it to you after. But yeah, I, I just, yeah, crazy. I think 
that's clear cut to me because I, I think you need, I, I don't think RJ belongs in there right now. I don't think Cam belongs in there right now, the way he's playing. You get the shooting of IQ and Grimes off of Brunson, like Obi, like the way he's shot this year, like provide some space. I mean, you're legitimately four or five out. Julius has an open lane to rampage down. Um, I love the idea of, of Brunson just being able to run like kind of like empty, like pick and rolls with, with Obi um, or Julius. Like, I, I don't know. I mean, to me that, like on paper, you that could be that. That's basically like kind of similar to what the Kings are doing this year in terms of their lineup mm-hmm. construction. Um, maybe with even less rim protection somehow. But I, I think that's the kind of that could be a top three offense in the NBA. Um, what would happen defensively? Uh, who knows? But uh, offense, I think. Be a lot of fun. I think it's just that it's a very fun and good mix of like spacing, playmaking, and shooting. Um, especially if Grimes and quickly like are shooting at the level that we know they can shoot at. Um, and I, I think I just trust the decision making. Of, of that group like collectively yeah and, and i think i think there's a, there's enough off-ball movement too which i think the Knicks struggle with but with yeah. obi and grimes there's enough cutting there that, that I'm, I'm i like that fit as a five and and a rare lineup where there's actually open space to cut into for both of them exactly. right and 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 especially lately those two have been making hay and, and uh, uh brunson is really good um uh, passing out of those situations and honestly julius has been much better this year, like yeah. passing and hitting cutters too. So that uh, maybe, maybe we'll see it one day, probably, probably with a new head coach. All right, guys, in just a sec, I want to get into a very interesting and holiday themed question. Which players have uh, haunted the Knicks are currently haunting the Knicks? Which players, this is, this is a scary one, will eventually haunt the New York Knicks. But first, betonline.net is your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional sport and amateur league out there from pro football to college basketball to uh, the World Cup. We've got it all at betonline.net. If you love sports podcasts, you can find those at betonline as well. We're always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info, and that includes the latest NBA odds. Tomorrow night, I'm I'm looking this up as we speak, the New Orleans Pelicans are just two-point favorites over the Utah Jazz. I'm taking the Pelicans, man. They, they are playing as well as any team in the NBA right now. So if you want to join me, head to the website today or use your mobile website to learn more. Bet online. It's where the game starts. All right. Um, our, our last uh, last question. Um, it's a loaded one. It comes from Bugsy Sig at Bugsy Sig. Always, always one of our favorites. Um, and and he, he's a little Christmas theme here. Ghosts of Knicksmas past, present, and future. Who is haunted, is haunting, and will haunt the Knicks. So I'm not not I, – I don't celebrate Christmas, so I – I didn't, maybe, maybe I'm lost on the, uh, on the ghosts of Christmas past theme here, but I did, I did come up with some answers to this, but Ariel, I want to, I want to hear um, yours first. I'm, let, let's start with haunted. Like who, who are the the ghosts of Nick's past that are still, still haunting, haunting your dreams a little bit? Um, This one, I, I, it was tough because a lot, there's a lot of options you can go yeah. with. You can go with <laughs> players, you can go with front office, you can go with coaches. Yeah. So I went with, I just went with Phil Jackson just because I thought the mm. way that tenure ended was just gross and, and it was a lot of like bad like bad taste in your mouth afterwards. Um, if you want to go like farther down the road, I tried to keep it recent. Um, but yeah. if you want to go like farther down the road, I think like Isaiah Thomas is up there. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, I went with Phil, so that's the way I went. Yeah, I think there's there's so many ways you can go with this one. I mean, I I mean you could look at it like just stars they missed out on, like Steph Curry, Jamal Murray, John Morant, yeah, like guys. I mean, not in the some most of those weren't even Knicks. I mean, Murray was a was a Knicks mistake, but but most of them weren't even Knicks mistakes. They were just like guys they just missed on. I'm with you on Isaiah Thomas. I, I just had like some randos in there. <laughs> I wrote down Emmanuel Moutier and Alonzo Trier and Kevin <laughs> Knox just because like I that that was the um that was the first year I I covered the Knicks full time and it's just 
it was so dismal and like i mean as bad as things are now like i almost i i, I think it would be good for me to like just clockwork orange style like pin my eyes open and watch 40 minutes of like david fisdale nicks and be like all right, you know, it could be worse. <laughs> it could be worse. That's just, that's just torture. <laughs> yeah. It's, isn't it crazy that that team got, like, the I, obviously they had the year they got RJ, but they had the other year where they got the eighth pick in the draft. I mean, I guess that year they made yeah. they made a switch, but up to, like, halfway through the year and, and, and finished a little bit stronger. But, man, like, it would have, like, all, all of Fizda would have been worth it if they could have gotten Lucas. And, of course, they probably would have just passed up on him. Uh, the one, the two other final guys I had in there were um, – were Frank Nilakina just because to me he represented the lone like hope of that era and it was always kind yeah. of a like like a lost a lost hope that obviously never came to fruition with the Knicks and it hasn't really come to fruition in a major way with another team and then I, I just threw in Andrea Bargnani for good measure because I think he he he's the epitome of of all the bad moves they've made in in the last twenty years like like that is of course that was the kind of guy that they would be be into uh, buying on. Um, for haunting, uh, maybe maybe this is controversial, but I, I have uh, Julius Randle and sadly uh, R.J. Barrett. Um, but who who do you have for haunting? Wow. Okay, I didn't expect that. Yeah. I went with Tom Thibodeau. I think he's yeah. gen- okay. genuinely. I think he's holding back the roster. I, I don't think this roster is like second round uh, uh, ceiling, but I I definitely think the the development of of most of the young guys is, is being hampered right now. Hmm. That that is the correct answer. Um, I think Julius belongs in that mix just for, I, I think he, he haunts the Knicks with his lack of effort sometimes. And I think we, we occasionally underrate like just how much that probably hurts team morale when it's, when it's nominally your, your best or second best guy. And, and again, like the guy who was the face of the franchise. And I, I think there's a case to be made. RJ's done the same thing offensively this year where, like, I, I don't know. I mean, you've, I, I'm sure like me, like you've at, a, at much lower levels, but you play basketball your whole life. And it, and it's tough when you have one guy who's taking a lot of shots and missing a lot of shots. And I imagine over 80 games with a lot of pressure and, and also that being someone they probably all really like and respect. Like, I, I just can't imagine how tricky that dynamic is. Yeah, definitely. I, I think it's, I, I'm too, it's too early for me to go that harsh on RJ. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think, uh, me personally, I'm giving him some time to kind of figure things out. I haven't been too harsh on him for the most part, um, but I, I I don't hate it. I, I do think the struggles when they're because when RJ struggles, like it, it's bad. It's not just like rough. It it, it feels like I don't know how to explain it. It just feels heavy. So I I, I get it. Um, I just, I just can't get there yet personally. That's fair. I didn't I didn't I didn't feel I felt a little sick writing it. All right. Um, <laughs> let me let me let me throw it to you. Um, ghosts of Knicks future. Who who will haunt the Knicks down the road? All right, I'm probably cheating here, but I went with Tom Thibodeau again. I think I think his use of the younger guys like IQ, OB, and Cam in particular, those three, I think it's going to make it really difficult. And it's two-part, uh, twofold. I think it's, it's going to make it difficult for the Knicks to be able to kind of gauge them, like their value in terms of like extending them if they do want to extend it. And then I also think that he's hurting their value like in trades for a future star. And I think we kind of saw some of that um, this summer with the whole Donovan Mitchell fiasco. So I definitely think Thibodeau, I'm going to go with him again. <laughs> yeah, I think you could even extend that and maybe throw Leon Rose in there, which which again feels harsh in the sense that like a lot of stuff he's mm-hmm. done is good. I, I say it every time I, I critique the guy. I think this is the healthiest the Knicks have been in an org- as an organization in, in 22 years, pretty much. Um, but mm-hmm. his, his lack of willingness to move off of Tibbs out of like a misplaced sense of loyalty and maybe some self-preservation is uh, – yeah, I mean, it's it's getting to the point of of malpractice when when we saw there like I, I you would think it would be clearer to Leon Rose than anyone else on planet Earth. 
how Tibbs has damaged this franchise by not turning those young guys into trade assets and their value probably not being equivalent to what it should be. And simultaneously, and like, and this part's harder because obviously he's, he's been a hard guy to deal, but hamstringing, hamstringing Tibbs by not trading Julius Randle, where he always kind of has that to fall back on. And in Tibbs' defense, like obviously it would be hard to bench Julius Randle full stop and, and play Obi top in those minutes. Um, And in turn, um, I, I threw in those like three guys you mentioned, um, Obi, uh, Cam, and I also had Isaiah Hartenstein in there as, as guys oh, yeah, who I, I think sure. could come back to to haunt the Knicks down the road because Hartenstein, as you've noted, as many have noted, just not being used properly. Obi, I could see it going one of two ways where he either eventually shines on another team in another context and the Knicks are like, man, we should have made something of him. Or like in, I think, what's honestly the sadder way and I really hope doesn't happen because he seems like a fantastic person and I'm, I'm always going to root for him. Um, I could see a world where like the Knicks have like irreparably like damaged his confidence and, and didn't really let him develop his strengths as a rim runner. And I think there could be a case of him like not really having an identity down the road on, on another team. Yeah. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. He's been relegated to like, uh, he's shooting over half of his shot, over half of his shot attempts are three pointers now, which is clearly not his game. Um, I, I think it's definitely, you see it when you watch him play, he's not being like, he's not being put in positions of, like to his strength. So it's definitely concerning. Um, that's definitely like the worst outcome possible um, for him. And I think for the Knicks, um, but I, I definitely, I just think that the decision not to move on from Tom Thibodeau is the longer, the longer they let it go on, the worse it's going to be. I'm sorry to end a very fun podcast on such a pessimistic note, but Ariel, as always, you, you've, you've been an amazing guest. Uh, one, one final time, just in case anyone missed in the first episode, can you, can you let everyone know where they can find them? All, all your great work. Yeah, so just follow me on Twitter at APachacoNBA. Anything I do there will be there. So just follow me on Twitter and you can keep up to date with me. All right, I say, I say it every time you're on there, but I, I always learn something and I, th- I think people can always always learn something by going and checking you out on, on Twitter. Uh, no, no more, no more uh, consistent observer on this team out there. Um, constant uh, film breakdowns after every single game uh, is, is an absolute must follow. It's, it's uh, A-P-A-C-H-E-C-O-N-B-A um, on Twitter. Ariel, uh, thanks a lot and we'll, we'll talk to you soon.